Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Anastasia. Aren't you glad to be here in the house of the Lord? Yes. Kicking off the Advent season. Don't you love all the decorations? And we, we celebrate that. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Let me tell you something else I'm grateful for. We had a team that went to Ecuador. They got back yesterday and they did an amazing work. They, they ministered to 691 kids did memory verse, 283 of those kids learned their memory verses and, and did an amazing job, gave out crafts that our quilt ministry um, had, um, had, had put together. And I was told by the team in, in Ecuador that it's probably one of the most effective crafts that they had had ever. And so it was just really, really powerful. And you'll hear more about that later. But I'm grateful for people that give their time and of their abilities to serve the Lord. Isn't that great? Yeah. Praise God for that. Um, I want to share with you a few announcements. I'm Pastor Walter, and I want to share with you just a few announcements uh, before we get on with the service. Uh, you may notice up there they have a, a, a Connect card link that they're going to put up there in just a second. 
But um, we have a, a way to connect with people. If you want to use the bulletin, you certainly can. There's a card you can write on. That's old school. You know, you get the pen and paper and all that stuff. You can do that. Uh, but if you like to use the technology, you can text to a number. It's 904 441 6900. That's where all our text messages come from. You the same number for all the different words. But if you text the word connect, it will give you a link. And that link will give you a, a, a you press that link and you have a whole list of things. I want to attach the connect card. You can fill it out. Uh, I want to see the digital bulletin. You can see that. You want to give. Uh, we always want to keep that on the links. We, uh, we, you can press the button and you can give to the church. So just different things there. So uh, just invite you to use that, uh, that telephone number, 904-441-6900. If you want to connect with a personal way, we have people at the welcome desk. And you can always go out these doors just to the right, and their people will be glad to talk to you and tell you how happy we are to have you here at Anastasia today. We're kicking off the Christmas season. In your bulletins, you have these. Now, this is an invite card to the Christmas Eve services. So you can take this, and if you want extras, there are extras on the, on the card. It, it, we have Christmas Eve services. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. And so that day is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have one service in the morning. It's going to be 1030, which you're used to going to a 1030 service, right? Hey, Mabel, are you waving to your granddad? Okay. And um, it's uh, going to be 1030, 1030 in the morning. And, uh, and uh, then we're going to have four services on Sunday afternoon and evening. And that's going to be at one uh, thirty, three o'clock. 4.30 and 6. So if you want to invite people or if you just need to remember that, put that up on your refrigerator and let people know about that. Another thing I want to share with you is that our, our congregation meeting is this afternoon. And uh, it's at 4 o'clock p.m. We're going to be voting on the budget for 2024. We're going to be voting on deacons, the next class of deacons that are coming in to serve. We'll be voting in church leadership, committee uh, membership, those kinds of things. So I invite you to come and be a part of that discussion and vote uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock p.m. in the Christian Life Center. And uh, what did you think about these kids up front? Wasn't that beautiful? Choir and orchestra was amazing, but it's hard to follow the kids, isn't it? I mean, you know. But the kids, um, they're going to be giving their... Christmas program, all the ages. You just saw just a portion of them, just the youngest ones. They're giving their Christmas program uh, this coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock in the Christian Life Center. Stephanie, if I'm getting that right? Okay, 6 o'clock in the Christian Life Everyone's invited. You want to see the, what God is doing. God is moving at Anastasia, and we have young families here, and that's very exciting to see. And then the last thing I want to share is a special recognition. I'm going to ask Marsha Elder to come up here and join David here up on the stage, and I'm doing a better job than, than I did before. I got everything all ready. I had to look, at 8 o'clock, I had to look for the flowers. I couldn't find the flowers. But Marsha, David has served here faithfully over 17 years as our worship pastor in traditional service. Yeah. Marsha has served faithfully beside them. You have to do an encore or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, they've served so faithfully here at this church, not just in worship ministry, 
but in ministry in general. I mean, leading a life group, uh, ministering to families in just a variety of ways. If, if someone comes into the church office, uh, often David is one that's available and ready to counsel with someone that needs counseling. And his conversations are always salt and peppered, seasoned with the word of God. So I just appreciate you. These flowers are for you guys. Uh, these are from the church. We gave you, we gave you an envelope. We, we had a, a, a retirement dinner. David's retiring, by the way. I didn't mention that. <laughs> He's retiring, going to spend, spend some time uh, focusing on family and those kinds of things. But uh, we gave you a, a little gift on behalf of the church. Uh, and then also there's another gift here. And this is on behalf of the orchestra and the choir. This is what y'all are giving to them. So they gave you a special <laughs> gift as well. And I just want to say thank you for 17 plus years of ministry. Well done. Well done. Real blessing. Thank you very much. God bless you. Would you like to say anything, David? I'd just like to say thank you to all of you uh, who have made this journey uh, what it was. When we came here, um, our family was young. Uh, Brandon, our younger son, who's now our worship and production pastor, was going into the eighth grade. And now he is our pastor here, and his family is here with his three young children. You know, he was a little rambunctious when he was young, and we used to pray, Lord, give him a child just like him. And the Lord gave him three of them. I didn't think the Lord was that mean. But uh, he gave him some sons. And our older son, Jameson, who is here, also he and his family are here today. He's the worship pastor down at First Baptist Umatilla. And he was going into the 11th grade. He was going to his junior year of high school when we came here. So thank you for being the church that you are. I had a, an exit interview with Bill Blaylock, our administrator. And one of the questions he asked was, you know, what can we as a church do better? I said, well, you know, every church has its own little quirks and little things that, that could be better. But overall, this is just a fantastic church to be at. And so the church is the people. It's, it's you all. So thank you for the, the wonderful way you welcomed me and my family almost 18 years ago and the way that we've been able to walk together through some good times and some bad times in the, in the years since then. So thank you very much. And uh, we, uh, we, we're still, we're going to live here. We're, we're not moving away. We're, we're staying here. And uh, uh, we'll be continuing to participate here in the choir and the orchestra. And so we're kind of like that boomerang you can throw it away but it's just going to keep coming back so we'll we'll be gone next week uh traveling but we'll be back the the 17th and and thereafter so in case you you see me in a few weeks you say wait i thought we got rid of him you did but but i'm i'm still here which brings me to something more much more important for me to talk about and that is advent advent begins today this is that season where we begin to prepare ourselves to truly celebrate the, uh, the birth of Jesus. We have our Advent wreath here, and this is Brandon's wife and, and children. Brandon's leading the service next door at the same time. So they're here to light the first of the Advent candles. And this is the candle of hope. You see, during this time of Christmas, sometimes we can forget that there are some folks who just don't seem to have a whole lot of hope. And they see all the joy and the, 
the celebrations that are going on, and sometimes they just don't get it. They can't understand what's going on. They may be feeling like the author of the book of Lamentations who wrote, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But, and this is one of those key words in the Bible, it changes the whole thought process. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And this is what the prophet remembered. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You see, there's lots of things we can try to put our hope in. We can try to put our hope in the, the balance in our various accounts, our checking accounts and other types of, of uh, financials. But, you know, those go up and those go down. We can try to put our hope in the life decisions that our family and friends make, but sometimes they make good ones and sometimes they don't. We can try to put our hope in our, in our health, but, you know, sometimes you get those doctor's reports, lab reports back that you don't want to hear. But the, the, the prophet told us where to put our hope, our true hope, and that is in the Lord himself. Not in all these exterior things that go up and go down and come and go, but in the one, the only one, who never changes. And that is our God. Let's stand and sing together about this Jesus that we've come to this morning to worship and that believers all over the world for thousands of years have celebrated. Come, thou long-expected Jesus.
Please be seated. Good morning, church. It's great to see all of you this morning. It is my privilege to share the generosity moment with you. And as we go into the month of December, there are a couple words that come to my mind. And the first one is Jesus. It is our honor to share him more so throughout December, but we're supposed to do it all year. But you know what? This is our time to, to share Jesus with our friends and our family. The other word that comes to my mind is the word giving. There are so many organizations that start asking for you to give this time of year. And my prayer is that you give and you pray about giving here at Anastasia to our home church that we can hopefully go into next year with almost the building, the building paid for that our children and our youth will be going into. It would be awesome that we did that, wouldn't it? So I asked you to consider that. And there's other organizations uh, that we as a church also sponsor in the month of December, and it's international uh, missions, and this is the Lottie Moon. And we always set a goal for that as well, and it's 40000 this year. So I asked you to pray about both of those opportunities to give right here that we can support not only our church but the international missions as well. Would you please pray with me? Father, Lord, I come to you, Father, asking you and helping to help us to decide where to give this year as we share Jesus with others, but we give from our heart, Lord, that we pray where you want the monies to go. And, you know, our time of giving is is all year, Lord, whether we give of ourselves or we give of our monies or we give of our time and our talents, Lord. I just pray that you would be with each one of us and help us to see and to share Jesus this year. We just love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. This morning, we're going to remember one of the powerful impacts of nativity. When, when Jesus was born, he came into that human timeline. He joined humanity. The, the thing about Jesus is that he's that perfect bridge between humanity and eternity. He's God the Son. So he's connected to heaven. But also, he was born into humanity. He's connected to humanity as well. So he's that perfect bridge to salvation. You know, you want to have, if you're going to have a bridge, you want the bridge to be connected to both sides, right? It's not connected to both sides. It's not a good bridge. Jesus is that perfect bridge. And what we're celebrating today in this season is that Jesus Christ connected with humanity. That's the nativity. But then also, we're going to celebrate that when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all our sins, so we're allowed to walk across the bridge. And is very grateful for that. We're going to celebrate, we're going to remember, excuse me, what Jesus Christ did through the cup, and the bread. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've committed to him as Lord and Savior. You believe in him. You've trusted in him. And you know that the, that the bread represents his body and the cup represents his blood. I want to invite you to participate with us. And how we do that is the deacons will pass the elements out. You're going to pick up two cups stacked on top of each other. The bottom cup. The bottom cup has the bread in it, okay? And the top cup has 
the top cup has the, uh, what represents the blood of Jesus Christ, the juice. So uh, let's prepare our hearts. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you loved us, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. And Lord Jesus, I pray that as we take this, Lord, that we would reflect in our hearts how we're not worthy of salvation, but Lord, you made it possible because of your love. It's not because of how great we are, but of how good and holy and great you are. And Lord, we give to you our lives, sinful though they be, Lord, to rededicate them to you in gratitude. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Would you take the bread, please? The Bible tells us that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you came down, Lord, as human. Lord, in humanity, Lord, just, just relating to us at that most personal level, face to face. And Lord, in that humanity, it's by your stripes we're healed. Thank you for the sacrifice. And Lord, I ask that as, as we take this bread, Lord, I pray that, that you would help us to understand the sacrifice you made, that we would rededicate ourselves as living sacrifices to you. In your precious name of Jesus, amen. Let's partake. The Bible tells us that in the same manner after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're coming again. Oh, we thank you that you give us hope. And Lord, that hope comes because you poured out your precious blood for us as an atoning sacrifice, a sacrifice that was enough, Lord, that was sufficient to pay for our sins and all the sins of, of everyone for all of time, Lord. Thank you so much for doing that for us. And Lord, help us to walk in forgiveness. Help us to walk in gratitude. Lord, help us to walk expressing our love for the gospel, our love for you and sharing this amazing gift with all the world. Lord, help us to proclaim your death, your burial, your resurrection, and your life eternal. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's partake. Also on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he also taught many things, and one of them is this. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, not by which church you attend, not by whether or not you took the Lord's Supper, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. God bless you.
I know, David and Marcia, you got to be really proud of your family, Amen. serving the Lord where they are. Yeah. Joe, I know you and your wife are proud. This is David Elder's parents are here. Marcia's parents over there, so whole family's here. I think there's more. If you're, if you're part of the Elder, you just raise your hand and, and you're part of that family, just because there's a lot of people. They packed the pew here. All right. <clears throat> David's sisters and their spouses. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for being here today. I know you were here to hear my message. <clears throat> That's why you came. No. You know, it's, I'm excited. Today we're kicking off a, a series of messages for Christmas. Our Christmas series of messages. And we're calling it the Kings of Christmas. The Kings of Christmas. Now you know who the King of Christmas is, right? Who is it? Jesus Christ. Man, you are more awake and know this more than any of the other worship services. This must be, this must be the most spiritual worship service of all the worship services that we have, I guess. But we know Jesus Christ is king, right? He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He is the reason that we have Christmas. He's the reason we celebrate the nativity. As we say, he is the reason, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? Because Jesus Christ is king and, and he's the way. That's one of our core values. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. And there's no other name in heaven. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ, right? 
Okay, so Jesus is the king, but Jesus is not the only king in the Christmas narrative. And if we are honest, many of us, Jesus Christ isn't the only king in our lives. Because even though Jesus is the king, we can often let ourselves be ruled by other lesser things that are in reality other lesser kings. Our calendars can be our king. Instead of our calendars, using calendars to organize our life, we can be controlled uh, by the calendar. Um, Our recreational pastimes can be a king. There are some people that follow their sports team more than they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Our jobs can govern us. Our feelings and passions can rule us. Sometimes we let our emotions take control of everything that's going on and it can be a king in our life. Our relationship with money can rule over us. I mean, Jesus even mentioned that. Didn't Jesus say something about money being a master and being a king in our lives? And what did he say about about serving God and serving money? Didn't he say you can only have one master? Yeah, you can't serve both God and money. There are all these kings, and, and have no doubt, Satan is alive and well, and he's, he's the prince of the air. He's trying to always lead us away from the Lord. Well, just as there are several other kings in our lives, there are several other kings in the Christmas narrative. There was Herod the king. There were the three kings. There's Caesar Augustus. That's what I want to talk about. There were several other authorities other than Jesus that tried to exert power in that first century. And there are other powers that try to exert authority into our lives as well. And and I want to explore all of that this Christmas season as we look at the kings of Christmas. So let's get into it. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, this is the Christmas story according to Luke. The Christmas story is found in only two of the Gospels, Luke and Matthew. Okay, Luke and Matthew. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word as I read from Luke chapter 2, the first seven verses. And the word of God says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have this account of you coming into the world. And Lord, I pray that we would recognize you as our king, our sovereign king for our lives, Lord. Uh, Lord, help us to embrace your lordship, serve you as our master. In your precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So in verse 1, it says, in those days, back in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Who was Caesar Augustus? Who was Caesar Augustus? I mean, he made this decree and most everybody had to follow it. Who was this guy? Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of the Roman Empire. 
He was the very first emperor of the Roman Empire. Before Caesar Augustus came, Rome was a republic. It wasn't an empire. It was a republic. It was ruled by the Senate. And sometime about 60, 50, 60 years before Jesus Christ was born, there were a whole bunch of civil wars. And these civil wars uh, came on. You had Pompey, the, the general, uh, at war with Julius Caesar, the, the uh, other general, and Julius Caesar beat him out. Several years later, Julius Caesar was assassinated. And then you had the wars between Octavian and Mark Antony, and Mark Antony and Cleopatra, and Octavian conquered and um, defeated uh, Mark Antony and Cleopatra. And um, Octavian, this Octavian, he became Caesar Augustus. General Octavian who defeated Mark Antony, became Caesar Augustus. He, he was named the emperor. Uh, he ruled from 27 BC until 14 AD. So he was the first Roman emperor, and he was the emperor when Jesus Christ was born, okay? He founded the Romans and empire in 27 AD. He ushered in a period of time known as the imperial peace or the Pax Romana. You might have heard about that. Sometimes it's called the Pax Augusta, in which the Roman world was largely free of armed conflict, this, this, this context that Jesus was born. So Caesar, he was the emperor of Rome when Jesus Christ was born, and he made a decree. He decreed that the world should be registered to be taxed, and a lot of people registered so that they could be taxed. How could he do that? Because he had power. He had titles. He was born Octavian. Uh, I was... Gaius Octavius, uh, Gaius Julius Octavius was his name. He was a nephew of Julius Caesar. He was adopted by Julius Caesar. But when he, when he became the emperor, he was given the title Caesar. That means emperor. That was one of his titles. He was called Imperator. Imperator means commander. He was called Augustus. Augustus means magnificent. He was given that title in 27 AD by the Roman Senate. They called him Augustus. You are venerated. You are magnificent. He also had another title. He was called, he styled himself as Divi Filius, son of a God. He was the son of a God. So, and he was referring to Julius Caesar. They, they thought in that time frame that, that Julius was a deified person, Julius Caesar, but he had that title, uh, son of a God, Divi Filius. So, he had, he had this power, he had titles, but the power of Caesar Augustus, his power was limited. He had limited power. Someone said, a pastor said recently, he said, Augustus ruled with almost total power over most of the known world until his death. Okay, do you see all those limits there? He, he ruled with almost total power, but not complete power, okay? Most of the known world, but he didn't rule the whole world and until his death. Do you know what Caesar Augustus rules over right now? Nothing. <laughs> Caesar Augustus rules over absolutely nothing. If you're depending on the power of Caesar Augustus, you are depending literally on nothing. Okay? Uh, if you want the power that you can depend on, you need the power of the people that are on the throne. You need the power of the person that is on the throne, Jesus Christ. You know, if you're, if you're trusting in the power of the world, whatever power you're trusting in is not going to be on the throne into eternity. The only throne that's going to be filled and completely filled by the one reigning right now is the one that's in heaven. Okay, so here's the first point I want to make to you is this. 
depend on the almighty power of Jesus over the limited powers of the world. In Jesus, we have all the power that we need, right? All the power that you need, we have in Jesus here. So I love the, the passage where it talks about the titles of the Messiah coming in. It, it was given to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9. It says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He'll have some power there. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then listen to this, of the increase of his government. That which is resting on his shoulders, that which he is responsible for, that power he has, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Not just the, his government, but the increase. The, the power of Jesus is always, always, always expanding. It never gets smaller. So if you want to depend on power, depend, depend on the power of Almighty God, not on the powers of the world. Now moving on in this narrative, it says in verse Three of Luke chapter 2, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph, he went from Nazareth, Galilee. He went, to, he went from Galilee, that region, the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the town of Bethlehem, uh, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Uh, David was from Bethlehem. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Caesar had this plan. Caesar had a plan, and people followed the plan because Caesar had enough power to make people follow his plan. He had this plan. And so people followed the plan, not because they wanted to, because they felt like they had to. Caesar said, you need to go register to be taxed, so you need to do that. Um, do you ever do things that you don't want to do? Okay, yeah. I'm not talking about just in your marriage and around the house. <clears throat> but... You ever do things you don't want to do? That's what Joseph was experiencing. Joseph was experiencing doing things he might not have wanted to do. He followed the plan. He went to Bethlehem because that's what Caesar said to do. He was also following another plan. Joseph was also following God's plan. Because you realize an angel came to him. And the angel said, you know, you're going to, you're, you're the woman that you are engaged to, your fiance, Mary, she is going to have a child and that child is not yours. But I want you to take her as your wife. That's what God said. That was God's plan. And Joseph was following God's plan. He may not have wanted to do that plan, but he was following the plans of God. He also had to follow the plans of Caesar in, in the midst of all that. And he kept Mary as his betrothed, the one he was going to marry, even though she was pregnant. He took her to Bethlehem. And I'm so glad that Joseph never gave up on God's plan. I'm so grateful that he never gave up on God's plan, even as he was having to follow some other plans that he didn't want to follow. God used that plan to do something amazing. And here's the point I want to make. Follow the plan of the Lord over the plans of the world. God had a plan. And God's plan was for Joseph to take Mary to Bethlehem. Now, I do not believe for one second that God was taking the plan of Caesar and using it his, to his devices because that would mean that I think that Caesar's plans are over God's plans. That's not true. I think that Caesar was following God's plan. He just didn't know it. 
That's what I think. Caesar was following God's plan. He just had no idea he was following God's plan, okay? He was accomplishing the will of God. Uh, the, the Lord has a plan. The Lord had a plan for Joseph and Mary to be in Bethlehem. It was recorded in, in scriptures in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and it says this. The prophet Micah wrote this, but you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, you're too little to be among the clans of Judah. You are too little to have a tribal name, a clan name, okay? But... From you shall come forth for me, one who's to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This is a prophecy of the Messiah, that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. And Caesar was following God's plan to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. And Mary and, Beth and, Mary and Joseph were following God's plan through Caesar to get to Bethlehem. God has a plan. And God has a plan for you, your life. And let me tell you about God's plan. It's a good plan plan. It's a good plan. It's a plan to bless you. It's a good plan. If you, of all the plans you have in your life, you should follow God's plan for no other reason than it's a good plan. Now, let me tell you about God's plan so, so you might be able to follow it. Sometimes it's a hard plan. It's a hard plan, okay? In Luke 9, 23, I had a Sunday school teacher when I was in high school. And, uh, and she was a single lady. And she liked Luke 9, 23. As a matter of fact, she taught it to us in the King James Version. She, she really loved that verse of Scripture because the first part of it in King James says this, if any man will come after me, let him. <laughs> that was her life verse. But really, it goes on to say this, okay? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. God's plan includes a cross. It includes a daily cross. We all deal with Luke 9, 23 struggles. It might be in a temptation. It might be an addiction. It might be how, our, how we think and feel about things. It, it might be the struggles of finances. I don't know. We all have Luke 9, 23 struggles. And God's plan may seem hard, but don't let the difficulty keep you from following God's plan because God's plan is good. It's good for all of us. It's a good plan. Let me tell you something else about God's plan. It's a long-term plan. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, God's plan means that we're going to invest in the eternal, not the short term. We're investing into the eternal, the treasures in heaven. You may not see all the blessings, and you probably won't see all the blessings of following the Lord in this life. Because the treasures we find are in heaven, okay? He may let you get a glimpse of it, but most of the treasures are in heaven, not on earth. And you're in for the long haul, and it's a long-term plan. You know, it's, it's a long-view plan, but God's plan is a good plan. Are you following God's plan? Are you investing in those things of heaven? 
Romans chapter 12, it tells us about the plan. And, and Romans chapter 12 is one of my favorite passages of scripture in the whole Bible. And, and it starts off by saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's a, it's a, it's a living for Jesus plan. It's a, it's, there's some sacrifices in this life, but I'm, I'm living for Jesus when I'm following God's plan. It's holy and acceptable to God. It's, it's a life of holiness. It, it's spiritual worship. And when we do that, this is what it says. We, no, we are no longer conformed to this world, but we're transformed. Our minds are renewed. We understand and are able to discern the will of God. That's the living for Jesus plan, okay? And it's a good plan. You see, when Caesar has a plan, what he wants to do, he wants to count, he wants to count you, he wants to assess you, and he wants to use you, okay? The plans of this world, it's so that they can use you. But the plans, the plans of Jesus, he doesn't want to use you. He wants to save you. Jesus wants you to spend eternity in heaven. So follow the plan of the Lord. Trust the plan of the Lord over the plans of the world, okay? Verse 7. It says she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Mary and Joseph, they had to deal with a situation. They had to transfer temporarily to Bethlehem, okay? Because Octavian became Caesar, and he made a decree, and all the world had to be taxed, so they had to do that. And because they lived in occupied territory in the Roman Empire, Mary and Joseph had to, had to transfer temporarily to Bethlehem. But first and foremost, they trusted the power of the Lord. They followed the plan of the Lord. And they found themselves in the center of an amazing scene. I mean, think about that. It's a scene that we portray to this day. I mean, you know the scene I'm talking about. There they are at the manger. There's Joseph and there's Mary and the manger and the baby. And you see the stable and the star. You see that all over the place. They found themselves in the middle of that. Why? They trusted God's power and they followed God's plan. And they, they were there firsthand and they saw an amazing thing happen. God the Son came into this world. Shepherds came in while they were there and they said, let me tell you what we saw. There were angels and they were singing and they said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can you imagine? How did they get in the middle of that? It's because they were following the plan of God. They were trusting in the power of God. And when they did that, they found the peace of God. And that's the next point. I want to make is this. Find the peace of Jesus over the peace of Caesar. Because when you follow the plan of God, when you trust in his power, you find peace. You know, Caesar Augustus, he ushered in the Pax Romana. Sometimes it's called the Pax Augusta or the Pax Imperius, the Pax of the Empire, the peace of the empire. But you know, Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't introduce the Pax Romana. He introduces Pax Eterna. He, he introduces Pax eternal, eternal life. That's where we get an eternal peace. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. And when you follow the plan of God, when you trust in his power, you may not understand what's going on around you, but you're going to find yourself in an amazing scene of peace in the midst of chaos. Uh, I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to the Philippians. He said in Philippians 4, verse 7, and the peace of God, 
This is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. There's chaos around. The circumstances may not be like circumstances that you should have peace, but in the midst of the chaos, what do you have? Peace. Why? Because the power of God, the plan of God gives you that peace when, when it, you shouldn't, with all common sense, have it. But he fills you with that peace. And it guards your hearts and your minds. And that's the peace that they had. That's the peace I want us to have. I, I'm concerned about people that are following, and people that call themselves Christians, that follow the lesser kings and not the real king of kings and Lord of lords. Depend on his power. Follow his plan. And you'll find his peace. When you entered into church today, you should have received a penny. Would you get that out for a moment? Would you get that out? There was a time when Jesus talked about Caesar. When Jesus talked about Caesar, it was a different Caesar because when Jesus had his ministry, there was a different Caesar in place. His name was Tiberius. But there was this big argument going on and, and they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, should we be paying this tax to Caesar or not? And Jesus in Matthew 22, it's recorded, said this, show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a coin of denarius. Now it wasn't a penny. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Now, you know, it didn't have Abraham Lincoln on the front. It had Caesar. <laughs> I understand. It was worth a day's wages. I know this isn't worth a day's wages anymore. But. They said Caesar's, and then Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. Okay? So when you got this penny, what if this penny represented you for this week? Are you going to render it to Caesar? Are you going to render it to God? Okay? You know, let it represent this week. Let it represent all that you are this week. Let it represent your calendar. My calendar this week. Does my calendar belong to the powers of this world? Does my calendar belong to Washington, D.C.? Does my calendar belong to whatever political party I'm in? Does my calendar belong to Facebook? I don't know. Calculate your time up. Just check it out and see. Am I going to render it to Caesar, the lesser kings, or to God? Does this represent my finances? How am I going to spend my money this week? Am I going to render my money for the glory of God? Or am I going to let it be used for other lesser things? Let it represent your emotions this week. Now, how do I feel this week? These are my emotions. Am I going to give over to my, my emotions? I'm going to let my emotions rule me. I want to give my emotions over to God. Render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God the things that are God's. Where does your heart and soul fit in? Who does your heart and soul belong to? Does your soul belong to you? You may hold on to it for this life and think you are in control of it. What happens when you die? Does your soul belong to you? Does your soul belong to anything or anybody other than Jesus? If my soul belongs to God, I should render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Now, in my life and in my soul, if I've not rendered unto the Lord 
that which is all of me. How long will I be separated from that plan? How long will I live my life away from following what Jesus has for me? Because you know, God's plan is a good plan. If you trust God's plan and you render unto God what is God's, you render your soul to God, you know where you end up in? Life forever with Jesus in heaven. And if you render your soul to Caesar, every Caesar of this world is either dead or will one day be dead. If you're trusting in eternal life, you want to live a life that really matters, give your soul to the Lord and he will not fail you. He's the king. He's God the son. King of kings and Lord of lords. He doesn't want to use you. He wants to save you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray if there's someone here who's not given themselves to you, struggle with that concept of living a life following your plan. Struggle with that, that concept of, 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 of trusting in your power. Lord, I pray that that light would come on. They'd understand the beauty of what it means to live in the very center of your will, to accept the forgiveness that you paid for. Lord, to trust in the plan that, that leads to eternal life. And Lord, if someone needs to take a step of faith, maybe it's a step of saying, Lord Jesus, I'm trusting in you today. I'm gonna make you the Lord of my life. I'm gonna follow your plan. Or maybe someone is, is contemplating a step of, uh, of stepping into service or membership or baptism. Whatever that step of faith is, Lord, Help us to follow you and trust you and find this season a time of peace, Lord, amidst the chaos. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen. We're going to sing a hymn, and this is a hymn of response. If God is calling you to respond, you can certainly come up to me if there's a prayer request you have. If you want to join the church or present yourself for baptism, whatever, you can certainly come and come up here. The altar is open to pray, whatever God is calling you to do as we stand. And as we sing, you come. God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive.
that great man of God who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt through the wilderness for 40 years, right up to the cusp of the promised land, when he knew that his time was over. He was about to pass on the mantle of leadership to Joshua. The last recorded words in the Bible that Moses spoke were words of blessing. They were a benediction upon the 12 tribes of Israel. So I thought, what better way to end my time here, my last official words from this pulpit as your pastor, than with a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.